how many stories, movies and video games, involve a story of seeking a hidden treasure. I can think of a lot just off one hand. I mean, there's The Goonies, there's Treasure Island, uh, Assassin's Creed Black Flag, Peter Pan, The Secret of Monkey Island. Well, and that's just those related to pirate treasure. I'm sure there are others that have to do with other treasures as well, like, oh, perhaps the Dan Brown books and movies and half of everything starring Nicolas Cage and all of the Final Fantasy games as well. And already we're at overload at this point. There's so many things that deal with seeking hidden treasure. Seeking hidden treasure. Ooh. <laughs> and as we are traveling through Advent, let us become adventurers. Adventurers, you see. And look at the scripture lessons for today in a new light. Perhaps the light of treasure map. Looking for that treasure at the end. A treasure map around well-traveled waters and landmarks we may never see the same way again. Are you ready, adventurers? Close your eyes for a moment and let's set the scene. It's dark outside, and the map we have before us is lit only by a small oil lamp enclosed in glass. Hesitantly, we look closer at the writing that, in weird characters that we've never really understood, but we try to puzzle it out. That first line of writing on the map says, Arche tu euangeliu, Jesu Christu huiu theu. Open your eyes, my friends. That is the beginning of the Gospel of Mark in Koine Greek. Since Mark was the first written gospel, that means that this is also the first that many people had heard of the story of Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ, Son of God. It's a beautiful, short description of what is to follow in the rest of this gospel. Begins at the beginning, Arche. I love this word, like archaeology, arche, the beginning. And then using a word that literally means good message, euagelio, euagelio. If that sounds a little familiar to you, you're right. English borrowed it from a Latinized version of the Greek. So we've gone through several steps to get to English. And in English, it's something like, Oh, well, let's, let's go through that. So, euagelio in Greek, to evangelion in Latin, to evangelical or evangelism in English. Well, sort of. It's a noun, not an ism. So, it would be closer if we had a word like evangel. Evangel. Well, what is this evangel word? It means the thing that is evangelized, the gospel message. Of course, in English, we decided to call this gospel, but it, the true Greek root is this thing that is evangelized, this thing that is shared, this treasure that is found. Arche tu euagelio, Jesu Christu viu theu. I practiced that several times to try to be able to do it right. <laughs> the beginning of the evangel, or good message, of Jesus Christ 
Son of God. Our treasure map is pointing us to the message of Jesus. What is this message? Mark spends the rest of his book telling us one step after another and leaves us hanging with an instruction to go to Galilee. But that's a sermon for another time when we get to the end of the treasure map. We're only still at the very beginning here in the beginning of the Christian year in Advent. So let's go back to our map lit by lamplight. We're holding the treasure map before us, a map to the good message of Jesus Christ. And after that introduction sentence, it tells us what the treasure is that we're seeking. The first thing that Mark does is quote scripture. Look, I am sending my messenger before you. He will prepare your way, a voice shouting in the wilderness. Prepare the way of the Lord. Make his paths straight. Ancient prophecy, which Mark attributes to Isaiah. Ooh, this gives us a place to start. We have a starting point. Excellent. Mark is telling us that this map is not the uh, actual beginning of the story, but a part of a longer story. There's more that you need to know to understand the things that he's going to say. And that starts with the uh, Old Testament, the Hebrew Bible. Now, if you want to read through the Hebrew Bible before we continue to make sure that you're up to, uh, to speed here, um, I'll make sure that this recording is available for you and you can pause. Uh, I don't have a thing that goes beep, so I can't make the beep noise to continue the recording, but uh, you can continue the journey on your own time. But I see that most of you are still with me and nobody's sneaking out the exit, so I appreciate that. You're aware then that though Mark attributes Isaiah with this prophecy, he's actually cobbled it together in what scholars rather generously call a composite um, quotation, a composite quotation. He's mixed verses from Exodus, Malachi, and Isaiah. Not something we tend to think about as being good scholarship today, but it was in line with the standards of his time. Scripture could be taken throughout any and brought together to bring a message that was newly understood. It was like going through the treasure map of the Bible, finding out where these scriptures came from and how to pull them together. The main point is that he is very familiar with scripture. He's able to quote various pieces and expects the people listening to be able to understand it as well. So what is the Isaiah passage describing, since Mark directs our attention to it so intentionally? It, too, is a new beginning. Having been in captivity in Babylon for some decades, at last, the people of Judah are to head home. They get to go back to Israel, to Judah, to their homeland in Jerusalem. God calls out to the people to take comfort. Everyone, take comfort from the richest to the poorest, for the time of suffering is over and the way is being made clear to go back home. No poinsettias in the route here, but just a clear path to go. Now, some of the messengers are skeptical of this message. After all, humanity is still just as weak as before. Nothing has changed in humanity. Just as perishable as grass, as we hear in the Isaiah passage from today. But God tells the messenger that God is mighty enough to make up for our weakness. Here is the Lord coming with strength, 
with a triumphant arm bringing reward and payment. Strength, triumphant arm dispensing reward and payment. This is an image of a warrior king <clears throat> arriving to lead the people. But when this mighty one arrives, when this mighty one arrives, how does this mighty one appear? Not using the strength to destroy, to tear down, to make war. No, God appears instead in the strength of peace and the loving nature of the Holy One to gather the scattered lambs into God's arms and to hold the people tight enough to hear the heartbeat of God. To gently guide the nursing ewes, says one version. In other words, the arrival of God shows the strength and peace and the loving nature of the Holy One. And this comes in a passage where God says to Isaiah, don't be afraid to speak of God's true nature, the nature of peace. For God is powerfully peaceful, and God guides us with a gentle hand back to our true home, even if we have been away for 70 or 80 years. Now, mapmaker Mark uses this Isaiah reference to remind us of that experience of wonder at God's true nature and point us on the trajectory to the treasure of Jesus Christ. Now Mark takes us to his first character, usually called John the Baptist, as we heard with the children's uh, story from the Bible this morning. John the Baptist is a fine translation of the name. I'm not knocking it. It's stolidly traditional. Uh, but since we're looking for a more treasure-hunting flavor in our adventurer's uh, guild, I suppose, today... Uh, we have a little bit more closely we can look at this. There appeared Ioannis ha baptizon, Ioannis ha baptizon in the wilderness. Ioannis is the Greek pronunciation of the Hebrew Yehohanan, meaning the Holy One is gracious. This is the root of Jonathan, Yehohanan, the Holy One is gracious. Baptizo in Greek has a fun sound, but it means to immerse, or more colloquially, to dunk. So, Yehohanan the Immerser, or as I like to say sometimes, Dunking John, <laughs> the wild man. He's been wearing scratchy, rough clothes made out of camel's hair, eating only the most simple of foods that he can find, in the desert wilderness, and calling people to change their ways. You know, Duncan John is actually a pretty scary guy, all told. Here he is, wild in appearance and in manner, telling people that he's going to dunk them under the water, and who knows if he's going to help them back up again. Yet, he is a prophet of God, calling people to change their hearts and lives as they ask God to forgive their sin. In his wildness... He is perceived as God's holy instrument, a holy prophet who has forsaken easy living in the village and a city for connection with the divine. 
his difficult circumstances, it was believed, allowed him to have the opportunity to speak with God more directly and interpret God's desires to the people. Yet this crazy-looking Duncan John, seen as holy in his wildness, claimed that he, as crazy and holy and different as he was, was only a messenger, pointing the way to someone stronger, pointing the way to Jesus Christ. He said, I immerse you in water, but he will immerse you in the Holy Spirit. Here, Adventurers, is our first landmark of our Markin treasure map. Duncan John pointing to someone who will come to immerse everyone in the Holy Spirit. People flocked to Duncan John, not because they wanted a bath, but because they had already decided to ask forgiveness. You see, this landmark of ours isn't only known through the Bible. Duncan John was famous enough to be written about by the historians of his day. Unlike Jesus, whose ramifications and uh, message only came through later through the Christian message, through the Christian eye, John the Baptist, Duncan John, was written about by Josephus the historian. And here's what Josephus had to say. He exhorted the Jews to lead righteous lives, to practice justice toward their fellows and piety towards God and in so doing, to join in baptism. In his view, this was a necessary preliminary if baptism was to be acceptable to God. They must not employ it to gain, to gain pardon for whatever sins they committed, but as a consecration of the body, implying that the soul was already cleansed by right behavior. <laughs> the baptism, then, wasn't the beginning of the journey but maybe halfway through, you had already asked forgiveness for what had gone wrong, and this was a mark to say, I am cleansed, I am free of this. Like any good map maker, Mark has pointed us to a very visible landmark, tied into the grand story of God's action in the world through Scripture. The map tells us of treasure, the good message of Jesus Christ, God's Son. It tells us where the treasure comes from, the scriptures that point to God's action in the world of the powerful peace that God brings. It tells us the first landmark pointing our way. Duncan John, who acted to recognize the changed hearts and changed actions of the people of Judea. And it tells us that everything John is doing merely makes the way clear for the Holy One to come who will not only recognize right action on the outside through immersion in water, but will immerse us in the very being of God in the Holy Spirit. What does this mean but to be gathered up in God's arms, to be truly part of God's powerful peacemaking action? There is much of the treasure map to be explored yet, fellow adventurers. And we will continue through Mark's map through the rest of the year, even after the season of Advent has ended. Not only through Mark, for those of you who don't like the Gospel of Mark, don't worry, we'll have some Luke and Matthew and John in there too. But Mark is going to be our primary focus. I urge you, however long you have been seeking the treasure of Duncan John, or the good message of Jesus Christ, not to give up hope. Whether decades or centuries pass, whether the world has ever seemed darker, 
hold on to your hope for peace, the powerful peace that God brings. For God has already gathered you into God's arms and is guiding you home. May you lean into God's arms, being supported by God's powerful peace. May your search for the good message of Jesus lead you to act rightly, a true follower of his way. And may you always be immersed in the Holy Spirit, that whenever you start to wander from the way, the valleys will be lifted up, the mountains made low, to bring you back to God's sheepfold. Amen.